Hello and welcome to Cruise Club. We've got the Need the Need to Podcast. This is episode 17, Interview with the Vampire, or what I just found out tonight for the first time, Interview with the Vampire, colon, The Vampire Chronicles from 1994. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And with us tonight, two guests. First off, if you listen to our other Tom Tom podcast, the Tom Hanks podcast, Hanks for the Memories, you heard his voice just one short week ago talking about the delightful The Burbs, short for suburbs. We have Nick Jenkins of Real Bad. Hello, Nick. Hello. How's everybody doing? Thank you so much for joining us. I'm doing very well, and I hope you're doing the same or better. Also with us tonight, I realized I was talking to this in the green room before we started recording that this next guest is apparently only on episodes where Tom Cruise has luscious, flowing, long hair. She was last on Legend back from 1985. With us tonight, once again, we have Darcy DuBose. Hello, Darcy. Hi, thanks for having me again. Thank you for being here to talk about this movie that I... Ooh, I didn't like. And I don't know if that's going to be a a devastating statement, but I did not enjoy this movie. Louie, Louie, Joey, Joey, Joey. Oh my God. Oh man. Wait, was this your, this was your first time seeing it? Yes. Okay. I would have put a lot of money on Francis Ford Coppola directing this because I think I just confused it with Dracula in my brain. (laughs) Yeah. It's the Victorian vampire. Yes. Instead it was made by, oh boy, I had his name right here. The great Neil Jordan. Who made my beloved Greta from earlier this year. So this is only the second Neil Jordan movie I've ever seen the first one I saw, I still enjoy more, even though it is a worse movie. I'm not insane. Like, I know that this is a well-made movie. I just didn't enjoy this. I also know that Greta is batshit bonkers. Uh, I just love that. I don't think that that is a better movie than this. I just find that more enjoyable. But anyway, uh. before I go too far down my own weird rabbit hole, <laughs> Mike, you said that you had known what this was. This was not like the last movie that we did for Cruise Club, or the last couple, or this this weird sort of gray area like The Firm where you had heard bad things but wound up enjoying it. Had you seen this before, and what did you? What do you think of this movie, Mike? I had seen this movie. I saw it when it came out on cable around when it was originally made it to home video. You know, I'm I'm a huge vampire guy. Like I just love horror movies and everything. So like, I think that's my problem. I think I just don't like vampires. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> this is about that would vampires. Do it, right? that, that sort of does it. And, you know, there's a whole, there's whole, so many genres, you know, everything from, like, these guys who are, like, traipsing around in the past to, like, things like, you know, Near Dark, where it's, like, very modern type of stuff, you know, biker gang vampire kind of thing. This is definitely, you know, not always my cup of tea. Like, you know, I, I'm not really into period pieces and historical dramas, which, Joey, I know you are, you know, Kira Knightley movies Sometimes, and stuff. sometimes. Yeah, and they could be good and everything, but, like, I had not seen a lot of this type of vampire thing, and especially the Brad Pitt type character of a vampire, you know, and uh, watching it again this time, I had actually thought Tom Cruise was in a lot less of this movie, but also that's part of of my problem is that he kind of disappears and he's my favorite part and like he's just amazing as Lestat and yeah so I mean I, I hadn't really seen this in a, in a couple of years and coming back to it enjoyed it again I thought it was I think it's cool now you mentioned Near Dark I'm gonna go over to Nick next because Near Dark is one of I think his favorite movies of all time uh, yes it is I don't want to have you compare this to that but uh, what do you think of this movie do you enjoy this movie is this movie or how does this compare to Near Dark uh, I love this movie this was a really transformative movie for me when it came out mostly for me as a storyteller there's a lot of twists and turns that happen here that I wasn't used to seeing with a supernatural element. We have these incredible... Neil Jordan is an incredibly humanist filmmaker. And so to see him, you know, work on a script that was originally written by Anne Rice, who wrote the books, and then he rewrote it a bit, see this really human struggle going on with these, you know, immortal 
people was a, was a new idea to me when I saw it as a teenager. And that just opened my mind up for thinking about different ways to tell stories. And I the performances, uh, with the exception of Brad Pitt, I think the performances across the board are really astounding. I mean, specifically Kirsten Dunst and Tom Cruise. And so that just floored me, too. I wasn't prepared for that. Watching it this time, I was also amazed at like how operatic it is. There's there's a lot in this film that is just intentionally big and and feels big and the score is big and everything is big, but it's a very small story about sort of quibbling best friends and lovers. I absolutely love it. So it, comparing it to Near Dark, very different movies. I enjoy Near Dark more just because it's it's this more gritty, realistic, cynical look at <laughs> at the world. And uh, that's more my that's more my thing. But no, I love Interview with a Vampire. And I do want to point out right now that uh, two of the things that you complimented this movie on, both Kirsten Dunst and the score, were both nominated for things, both for Golden Globe and uh, Best Score, also the Oscars, too. So those are things that not only you love, Nick, but the voting world question mark loves as well <laughs> now darcy i don't want i don't want to give you the impression that you and i have an opposite view of tom cruise because the last time you were on i was talking about how i didn't like legend here you are again i'm talking about how i don't like interview with the vampire i'm assuming you chose to be on this episode because you love this movie but will you forgive me that i do not like this movie no, that's totally fine. I totally get it. And yes, I do love this movie. I think I was probably eight when it came out. And the first time I saw it, I was probably like nine or 10. Like my mom would like read Anne Rice to me. So this was also like Whoa. a very formative film for me. Watching it as an adult, you like, I understand what's going on now, as opposed to it just being like a pretty sort of like vampire movie as a kid. I could put this on just in the background at any moment like this is one of my favorite movies i feel like for a vampire movie this is more accessible for like a general audience too like it, it, there's gore and and horror and stuff but it's pretty Beautiful light on. yeah and that's the thing like it's so melodramatic and nick said like operatic and stuff like it's over the top for sure but um i could see this you know like you said you saw this at quite a young age like 10 like i can understand kids getting into this or seeing this first, it being like an introductory sort of uh, movie for supernatural films or something. I will point out that in me running for some of my favorite IMDb trivia of all time, mentioning the gore, <laughs> apparently Oprah Winfrey walked out in the first reel of this movie because she was so grossed out by the amount of blood. Huh. So maybe I... for you, Mike, there's not a lot of blood, for, but for Oprah, there's too much blood. That sounds fake. <laughs> so now, Darcy, what about this movie do you love? What is your favorite part? You know, we did this on Legend of the Sound. We're doing the Tom Tom podcast now. If you had to pick a favorite part or a moment or a scene or a memory about this movie, what's your favorite part about this, about Interview with a Vampire? Um, I mean, the overall sort of just like dreamy vibe of it is like kind of what always sticks in my mind. But watching it again recently, it's just like Tom Cruise is so tom cruise in this that it's like magical to watch like the way he sort of like bites into that rat and like he turns into like a swamp vampire like everything with tom cruise i feel like is just like magnetic and like memorable and then brad pitt is just crying throughout the whole thing <laughs> i don't know like i just i really like the relationship and then how like kirsten dunce essentially like becomes like a tiny lestat it's really cool i just like the whole like relationship of the three of them that's going to bring me to my least favorite moment later when we get to that later. Uh, Nick, what about you? What's your favorite part about, what's your favorite thing, moment, scene, memory, line, whatever, about Interview the Vampire? I have uh, two that are always at, at war in my head is what is my favorite. The first is the breakdown of the relationship. Kirsten Dunst decides to kill Lestat. The conversation that they have where he's at the piano, 
all the way through till him coming back as the swamp vampire and then them burning the whole house down is just I love it. It's magnificent. It's magnificent on a performance note, but it's also magnificent on just this wild, huge operatic note. So so that's there. But I think the thing that I enjoy the most is, and I hate saying enjoy it because it's really upsetting, is when the theater vampires capture Louis and Claudia and Claudia's new um, new vampire that she's made. They imprison him and they put them in a well where the sun is going to reach them and it burns them up. There is something about that, this whole sequence that is really oddly like over the top, but also extraordinarily restrained. We only see the beginnings of the fire start to start on Kirsten Dunst and the other vampire, and then we cut away, and then we see the aftermath through Louis's perspective. I don't like Brad Pitt in this movie very much. Apparently, he didn't like being in this movie either. Yes, I read that too. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it shows in a lot of it, but he was also, like, he was still not the actor that he is now. I think Brad Pitt, over his career, has become a much better actor than he started as. The thing that he's always had, though, is the ability to have this natural ferocity when he wants to turn it on. And the end of that, where he burns the place down, I am scared of of Louis at this moment. Like, there is a ferocity that he's able to channel that is so in stark contrast to the rest of his time in this film that I absolutely love it. So... All the way through there till the point where Armand rescues him, uh, Louis basically says, uh, you liked me because I can feel you basically burned that out in me. Good job. You know, <laughs> like all of that, I think, is absolutely wonderful. So it's those two moments that are always at war for me of what I like the most. And I did like that part where you mentioned where the sun just starts to creep on Kirsten Dunst and that woman, and you start to see them burn, and then we cut away. And even though in my brain, I was like, there's no way they can get out of there without some kind of, like, superhero savior moment. You sort of have that, that oh, they might get out of this. Like, there right. might be kind of a happy ending for this character, these characters. But there's not. Like, we no. just get back later, and they're just ash to ash, dust to dust, and just, that's the end. And it's just like, oh. Like, you're, I think you said you use the word, like, restraint. Like, it's a very subtle moment for a very brutal demise, what some might say is the uh, the shining star of this movie in Kirsten Dunst. Yeah. Mike, what about you? What's your favorite part of this movie? I mean, well, of course, blonde Tom Cruise is, like, incredible in this movie. I think it's the, the first <laughs> yes. time we have him as a blonde, right? And he wears it so well with those blue so eyes well. and everything. Like, it looks so damn natural on the guy. And, and I got to just double down on what Darcy says about his performance and stuff. Like, I mean, everything up until the end when he, like, bites Christian Slater on the Golden Gate Bridge and takes the wheel and sort of, like, pulls the frills out of his coat and everything. Mm-hmm. Like, it's all just feels so well thought out and he just knows this character and is this character and I love that so I, I feel like that's more of a given but I have an actual moment I remember when I first saw this movie it terrified me it scared and it still scares me a lot but I know what's happening and stuff funny enough it's it's not a moment with Tom Cruise uh, but it's when they go to the play in Paris and the vampires perform oh yes you know and they bring that woman out on stage and they feast on her and everyone thinks it's part of the performance like that entire thing just is shocking and I still find that like very high concept and very well executed still very disturbing but just like incredibly well done it just gets me every time so I think that's still my favorite moment yeah that's that's a great moment I had a hard time connecting with Tom Cruise in this movie, and then I sort of dialed into what he was doing, and I was like, oh, yes, I love that. And my favorite moment, I think, is just there's there's a line he says where he's like, life without me 
would be even more unbearable. And I was like, ooh, that is real cool. I like that a whole lot. <laughs> and then later, when he is... So they, they kill him. She, uh, Kirsten Dunst, poisons those two people. And then he drinks their blood, and he gets weakened, and then she slits his throat. And then they dump him in the swamp, and then he comes back, and he's just, like, casually playing the piano. Like, I love that moment a lot, too. Where it's like, I thought we killed you, but you're back now. And he's, like, behind those curtains, and it's all, yes. like, really dreamy. Yeah. That also reminded me, and it has... It's... it's vampire in title but not in tone or not in story but i don't know if have, have, any, have any of you seen the movie stoker no no stoker is again there's, there's a few connections here stoker obviously bram stoker uh number two nicole kidman but there is this beautiful like haunting like piano scene in that movie it's a park chan wook movie oh uh, yes i have movies. okay I remember so it yes now. go check out stoker i really like stoker and i sort of got vibes of that one cruises playing the piano here, giving his association with Nicole Kidman both in life and in movies, then also in the vampire thing, and just the piano, all of that worked really well for me. There's just like little character moments for Cruz, you know, his hideously terrifying, horrifying makeup, where he had to, like, apparently the, the process for this was that all the actors had to hang upside down for 30 minutes, so that all the blood rushed to their head, their veins bulged and pulsed and then the makeup artist would like sketch over that <laughs> what? to create these like veins and then when the blood would you know return to the rest of their body they'd be like oh can you do that again please and so tom cruise in the makeup chair for like three three and a half hours every day because he would be you know hanging upside down like a vampire turn right right side up makeup applied lather rinse repeat that's Crazy. really cool I feel like today you would just do computers, right? Like yeah. that, that seems yeah. wildly... But it works you know, because that's noticeable. It, it stands out and it's something yeah. kind of unique about these vampires. Like I, I noticed it right away and, I, and it kept my eye and I don't recall seeing it in a lot of other movies. So It's creepy. Like it's subtle, but it's creepy and it feels real. And I don't know if I've seen that type of vampire makeup before. Like usually I think it's just the, the pallid, the very ghastly... They do sort of have here, but emphasis on the veins, on the blood, on the this and the that. Like, it's it's creepy, and I like yeah. it. Stan Winston did all that, and it's just, like, so crazy good. Which can be said about almost everything Stan Winston ever does. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> now, Darcy, do you have a least favorite moment? Is there something, I know you love this movie, this, like, you know, a background noise movie, you always want to just have it on. Is there something about this movie that you don't like, that you don't connect with? You know, I've never really gotten behind the whole Antonio, Antonio Banderas part of it. And I feel like mm. as a kid, that so whole sequence, like why he like snatched up Claudia and like all this stuff always really confused me. And even rewatching it like last week confused me to where I had to look it up to sort of like that part always just never really made much sense to me. And I don't particularly like his character in that. But I guess there's just more in the book that would have explained that whole situation, but I've never really been a fan of like him coming in and like that whole sequence with the, with him in particular, he's probably my least favorite character. There seems to be a lot of changes between the novel and this. There's a whole like homoerotic or actual just homosexual relationship or implied relationship between Tom Cruise's character and Brad Pitt's character in the novel. And Anne Rice didn't think that would ever going that was never going to be able to be portrayed on screen. She rewrote the script at one point for I think it was for the Louis character to be a woman and considered Cher in Angelica Houston. Whoa! Because oh. I mean, they thought for a second that like there would never be able to be this like homoerotic relationship or this you know LGBT relationship on screen, which they do. But they also apparently cut out this whole thing where Tom Cruise's character Lestat thinks that Louis should sleep with him because of their relationship or whatever because they live in the same like there's there's stuff about that it seems like sort of toned down yeah i mean right. it's it's 
definitely there though it's very yeah. hard to miss i mean it's maybe that's why they cut back on it because it's kind of obvious isn't it i also feel like in a world in the 1700s 1800s whenever we are for two grown men to be raising kirsten dunst as a daughter i'm like how are how is this not like the talk mm. of the town well like, they are like we don't see enough of it. they are like aristocratic and right they're at least pretending to be super rich and I mean, I don't know, maybe just because of the wealth they're able to get. And he owns that plantation and everything until they burn it down. Like, maybe it's just their status, you know what I'm saying? And, like, people just uh, accept it because of that. I don't know, but, yeah. Or maybe they are sort of the gossip of the village. Yeah, I I feel like they're just sort of dancing around that a little bit. Not that I necessarily want them to include that, but I feel like maybe you should. I don't know, but this is also 25 years ago, and it's a totally different world now than it was then, right? So. Well, and the book was written in the 70s. Yes. Mm -hmm. I think the relationships get way more complex when I'm trying to figure out aged Kirsten Dunst in a child's body in love with Brad Pitt, who's also in love with a woman in a child's body. You know what I'm saying? Like that relationship to me seems a lot more like um, not just interesting, but something you never see on screen, something you could only kind of tell in this sort of story. So maybe they're just trying to you know, revolve it more around that. And, uh, you know, I have, a, I have a feeling there may have been more Tom Cruise in the book or more Lestat, at least, because, I mean, he's... They even went on to make another movie about Lestat with, like, Queen of the Damned and all that kind of thing. Like The big thing, and one of the things that I love about this movie and wished there had been more sequels that were the same cast, this story, Interview with a Vampire, this story is the story from Louis' perspective. The Vampire Lestat is the story from Lestat's perspective, sort of. The whole Vampire Chronicles is about the relationship these the relationships these vampires have with each other. Sometimes it's, you know, hinted as very sexual in some ways, and then other times it's more like everybody's obsessed with Louis because he is so capable of sadness and feeling, and and that is interesting to them because they are they don't have that like everybody has their gift that's kind of his gift is his ability to to keep that humanity that everybody else just sort of lost yeah Lestat keeps coming back because like at the end of the this movie it's another moment that I was like I don't want it to be necessarily my favorite moment but it is a moment where he where Lestat is listening to the tape in Christian Slater's car and he says oh Louis Louis Still whining, Louis. <laughs> that is very much the tone of Lestat throughout it, and they keep come. They have they keep having conflict where it's basically like Lestat is what is and it, like. There's a great moment in a, a later book where there's this body snatcher type person where they can he can flip spirits into different bodies, and he puts Lestat into his body, and at that Whoa. point, Lestat is human. And at first he's like, oh, great. And then he's like horrified at having to pee and having to like do all of this human stuff. And he goes to Louis to try to try to get Louis to help him. And Louis's like, not going to help you. You've solved the riddle. You've beaten it. You've become human again. And he walks off and Lestat's so mad he burns down Louis's house. These squabbles that they have throughout it are just like it's just a relationship story set in this supernatural world. So Lestat is a major part of this. But I appreciate the fact that this is from Louis's perspective. So it is brooding. It's sad. It's very melancholy about everything. And Lestat, you know, his movie picks up with him as a rock star. They're just different perspectives of this same story. And Lestat is like, I did not get a fair shake in this story. So I'm going to tell you my story. How many books are in this series? And do you think like this is something they'd bring back to like Amazon or Netflix? Or is there enough 
material here for a series because it seems like they wanted to make a franchise, but it was in a time before anything could be spun into a franchise. So like they just didn't really have the gas to keep making these movies or something. Holy shit, there are a lot of books in the series. Yeah, there yeah. are. And some are better than others. Like, uh, uh, Yeah, they made the vampire, or no, they made Queen of the Damned. Um, with Is Stuart. that with Aaliyah? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Uh, as Akasha, I think. And then that was it. And then I they made it, I think they made another one that was even less well-received. I can't remember. But they could definitely do a series of this. I mean, that would be, I'd be happy with that. Yeah. I mean, there's 18 titles. Yeah, it looks like there's 12 in the main series, and then there's a spin-off series with two, and there's another spin-off series with six. Oh, and the main series still had a book as published as recently as last year. This is still ongoing. This is still Anne Rice making bank. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And Nick, I did love that end scene where Tom Cruise is in the car, and he, you know, in addition to the line you said, he says, have you heard enough? I had to listen to that for centuries. Like, just <laughs> enough, enough, Brad Pitt. And also, I love Brad Pitt. And I'm with you I'm with you here, Nick. Like, I don't like him in this movie. Like, Brad Pitt is probably, if I had to rank them in my top five or ten actors of all time, like, in almost every movie I've seen him in, I love him. I just don't know that he works here. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, and... Darcy earmuffs for a second, kind of like Keanu in Dracula, where it's just like, I love him in so much, and I just don't think he fits in that world. Although, I did like to see the Brad Pitt, Christian Slater reunion from True Romance, even though I like both of them better (laughs) in that movie, as opposed to this movie. It's a prequel. Yeah, where, you know, Stoner becomes vampire, of course. Why not? (laughs) But Nick, did you mention, I mean, you you sort of, you, you talked a lot about a lot of things there. Do you have a least favorite moment in this movie? I'm actually with Darcy, minor two casting problems I have. Uh, one is Armand. I don't like Antonio. Ba- I think Antonio Banderas does okay with what he's given. It's weird. Armand is a very young boy in the books. Huh. Um, so he's kind of like Claudia. I don't know. There was something about him in here that he, there's just there's very little there. And I don't know where that's coming from. Armand is a very important character in the mythology, but they, it, they didn't seem to do much with him. So I know I, and I normally like Antonio Banderas. So it's not it's not that I don't like him. It's just for some reason he did not work in this. Everybody surrounding him works. Stephen Ray is great in here. Really creepy. And yeah. then my other casting thing is, I know he was a late replacement for uh, for um, River Phoenix. I didn't like Christian Slater in this part. There's Something seemed weird and not right to me the whole time. Yeah, like there's something just about the sort of framing device and it's like I understand you know he's being interviewed and like you kind of have to do it like you're locked in there but are you really like I almost don't know like (laughs) I almost wonder if it'd be better if like the movie ends and then we find out he was telling somebody the story and then it's just like a kind of life of pie quick cameo kind of thing or something I don't know I feel like Christian Slater is just too kind of like chaotic in that role and like he's just got too much of like a heathers vibe still happening with him in that role to where he's a little bit like all over the place and kind of skittish thinking of river in that role i feel like it would have that's what they wanted like i feel like he would have been perfect for that just because he is sort of like more like brad pitt in that role like he's a little bit more like louis i feel like or was that that would have been maybe a better sort of pairing and more like accurate i guess yeah, I think something. I could have seen a much more laid-back journalist 
asshole in that role. I, I, and River Phoenix could have probably done that. I agree. There was something like uh, very kinetic about everything that was going on with Christian Slater, and it just didn't work for me. I feel like he's just a polarizing actor in general. You know, I know that over on uh, High School Summer Party, uh, <laughs> Mr. Mike Manzi had some thoughts about him in Pump Up the Volume, which I had to go on and rebut. I was like, no, no, no. I love him in this oh. role. But I feel like he's just, he's definitely got his Christian Slater shtick, and it doesn't necessarily always work. Yeah, I think partially is he's just a very dominating present so like I, I, it feels like he's fighting Brad Pitt in this role for Dom <laughs> you know for like I'm the bigger star or something here I've had the career now you're having the career but yeah I agree he's kind of a miscast there for sure but I didn't even know that about River they have a tribute to him at the end dedicated to him right yeah because oh, he died in Halloween of 93 and he was supposed to start filming like a month later and so I read that uh, Christian Slater got the role and like donated everything he made to like River's charities or whatever oh. he had set up so yeah it was like two hundred three hundred thousand dollars that's a good call but mike what about you what is your least favorite part of this movie it's tough because like there's little things that don't always work for me like on the whole like it's hard for me to think of something like i agree with you know antonio banderas his character is just i guess what it comes down to is for the length of time that louis alive it doesn't really feel like he's doing all that much or we're seeing him do much. Like, And I understand he sort of gets like trapped into these routines, first with Lestat and then with Kirsten Dunst and, you know, everything. And then, But I almost wish that, like, they went more places or we saw them. There was more of a, like, I was almost expecting the first time I saw this to have more of, like, a Forrest Gump vibe to it, where not that he was, like, inserting himself into world history events, but just that we would see him in more time periods. And I guess that my issue with this is we're kind of stuck in a certain time period for most of the movie until the very end and then that's kind of like my second favorite stuff is when he goes back to New Orleans and he's watching the movies and you know he comes out of Tequila Sunrise um, <laughs> and he finds uh, Lestat and he explains what a helicopter is and like I just wish that we had him even if it was you know more towards the end I just wish they spent more time with him coming up more in the modern world and like driving a car and you know you know, doing that kind of thing. I don't know. Again, like, I know that's kind of like a cheat, and I'm getting to the point where, like, I'm doing this every episode. I can't think of, like, another very standout moment that bothered me, so I'm just going to go with that, you know, maybe that's part of the script or the screenplay or something. I just, I just wish he spent more time in the modern day. I still haven't seen it, though. I do want to point out that Tequila Sunrise has a special place in my heart because it is, as we learned on your lap of Too Fast, Too Forever, Mike, maybe a prequel to Furious 7. Nick, I don't know if you know this, but apparently there's theories that Kurt Russell took his character from Tequila Sunrise and is playing the same character in the Fast and Furious movies, which Kurt Russell can do whatever he wants. We never learn his name. He's called Mr. Nobody. Mr. Nobody. So yeah, he's just Mr. Nobody Tequila Sunrise. Why? Why would... (laughs) Why that movie? <laughs> Why like, not? What? Why not that movie, though, I think is the bigger question. It's a perfectly fine movie, but it, it's like just, I don't know, Kurt, come on. Why? It feels like it's just for the sake of being like cryptic. <laughs> you know, if you come across his performance one day in Tequila Sunrise, be like, wait a second, he's playing Mr. Nobody. <laughs> yeah. I am going to maybe upset people here, but my least favorite part of this movie is not the performance, but it's the Kirsten Dunst character, because it's just weird and icky, and I don't love it. And apparently in the book, she's five, not twelve. No, really? Now we're getting to the point of, like, the baby on the vampire council. That's out of line. Five years old. Like, I just was like, this is not, I don't feel great about this. And apparently Kirsten Dunst, you know, her first on-screen 
Kiss was with Brad Pitt in this movie. He's 18 years older than her. Later, she's like, I thought it was icky. I thought he had cooties. I don't <laughs> love that. And I, I, I think it's really interesting what they do about her getting more mature. And Darcy, I think you said like her sort of becoming Lestat in a way, this manipulation and this sort of change in... Uh, you know, who she is as she grows older, you know, at least mentally, if not physically. I like that element of it, but the whole, like, relationship and the whole father-daughter also maybe kind of love, like, just everything about it was just like, I don't, like, for a movie that I was already kind of on the fence with and a whole, you know, again, I've said that I'm not super into the vampire lore and mythology and movies and storytelling, I just couldn't get behind that. I think she's great, I just don't love that. See, it's interesting because, like, I think, like, it's tough. Like I said earlier, like, it's kind of the, you can only tell this in a vampire story, like this type of relationship. And I think, you know, that's part of why they're doing it is because it's so sort of off-putting and it's like, I don't know, like, this is how they have to live kind of thing. I don't know. Like, I don't agree or condone with it by any means, but it's like when you're an immortal, these are the kind of problems you run into, right? And it's just like another reason why it's a bad call to get, like, to, when he's like, I'm going to give you the choice I never had. You got to say no, <laughs> not if it could lead to something like that. Just like Nancy Reagan, just say no. It is supposed to be upsetting, though. Like, it is not being yes. played as this is a good thing because it is upsetting. Like, it's upsetting to watch. But uh, there are times at which I feel like art is supposed to upset you. And I think this is does a good job of making you uncomfortable and upset, feeling bad for everybody that's in the situation. I mean, you even start to feel bad for Lestat, and he's been nothing but a dick the whole time. Like you say, he says, I'm going to give you a choice. Did you? Did you really give him a choice? I'm going to almost kill you. Now you have the choice for me to bring you back forever or to just die. Well, what right. are you going to choose? So I, I definitely see where you're coming from, and that could immediately make me check out of some movies, but uh, I think this is, again, something that's interesting to explore with this supernatural element involved and just and it is upsetting and uncomfortable. And I think it's done well. I just don't like it. Like, I agree with everything you're saying, Nick. It's just like, that's not what I want to watch. And I, I think it's totally understand. I think it's done well here. I think it's acted really well. I think the interactions are good. It's just not for me. Hashtag not for me. <laughs> Which is even weirder to find out that the uh, Antonio Banderas character was a youngster in the books because I feel like what they do, you know, they're sort of vampire justice. Like, it's understandable, right? They're like, no one should ever do this to a, per to a you know, a vampire should not be that young. Like, there are certain, there's a code, believe it or not. And that's, you know, it's a very thin code, but that's one, is like a certain age. And so their sort of retribution on Louis and by burning her alive and everything, like, it's brutal and it's you know tragic but it, it makes perfect sense you know when you think about it they even they think it's a bad situation well i think their retribution is for killing lestat oh um, they were down with lestat i didn't i never really pick up on that well because they're always asking him what's this because they're reading his thoughts and there's like what's this we only have oh, one right. rule we don't kill our, our own kind we don't of. kill our own and then they sort of scold him about claudia they're kind of mm. like yeah you shouldn't do that there are reasons you shouldn't do that. But I think the, the killing of their own is the thing that forces them to kill uh, Claudia. Okay. So it's more like an eye for an eye sort of thing. Yeah. And, yeah. That makes so much more sense now for that whole part. I was always just like, what is going on? 
<laughs> some casting news about this movie, uh, specifically as it relates to our main guy, Tom Cruise. When Anne Rice wrote this in 1976, she envisioned Rutger Hauer in that role. Oh. And then John Travolta was also earmarked mm. to play that role as well. But then as, you know, this guy, the can got kicked down the road... They both got too old for the part. Could you imagine, like, a Blade Runner-aged Rudger Hauer running around as Lestat? Oh, my yep. God. That'd be terrifying. <laughs> He's much more what is described in the novel. Tom Cruise is nobody's idea of what Lestat looks like in the novel. Well, specifically, he's not Anne Rice's idea right. of what Lestat is, because he's, or she said it, the casting was, quote, so bizarre, it's almost impossible to imagine how it's going to work. She also called it, quote, the worst crime in the name of casting since Whoa. the bonfire of the vanities. Wow. Uh-oh, we're going to get there, Joey. I don't like that quote. She also said, quote, I was particularly stunned by the casting of Cruz, who is no more my vampire Lestat than Edward G. Robinson is Rhett Butler. Wow. <laughs> so then she was so upset about this casting, she did not go to the set. She was like, I'm not going to watch this movie. A producer gave her a VHS. She watched it. She's so loved Tom Cruise's performance, apparently, that she wrote him an apology letter, just like, I was wrong, (laughs) you were great. And she was wrong, he was great. He was great. So specifically, we're going to get to this question when we get to it a little bit, but she had met with Tom Hanks, who had just won an Oscar (gasps) for Philadelphia, and wanted to get him in the Lestat role, and he said, no, 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 I'm going to do this movie Forrest Gump instead. (laughs) Daniel Day-Lewis was originally cast as Lestat, which feels right in that that wheelhouse. Yeah, I feel that like could've that could have worked. You know, he would have, he like, go... dropped 100 pounds and, like, only drank yeah. blood for a Mess month. Yeah, it all like... the way. All while making shoes. But then he dropped out a few weeks before filming, and then Johnny Depp was offered the part. He said no, and then they went to Tom Cruise. Oh, thank God. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't see Johnny Depp doing, like, what would he be doing here? Like a like a proto-Jack Sparrow vampire kind of thing, Ugh. prancing around. <laughs> yeah. Gross. <laughs> now I want Tom Cruise as Jack Sparrow. I think he could nail that Whoa. part. That'd be great. Like you guys that. have way more faith in Tom Cruise than I do. Oh, yeah. Well, that means we have a whole podcast about it, so how how can we not? (laughs) In terms of the Claudia role, the Kirsten Dunst role, Natalie Portman, Christina Ricci, Dominique Swain, Brian Rodriguez girl, Julia Stiles, Aaron Moore, whose name I don't know, and Evan Rachel Wood all auditioned for the role or considered for the role of Claudia. Evan Rachel Wood, future vampire on True Blood. Yeah, I think she would have been good for that, too. This is the first LGBT movie to make $100 million at the U.S. box office, and worldwide it's number two behind The Birdcage, so this was a very successful movie in that regard. The only other trivia I have, both, both about Tom Cruise, he apparently prepped for the role by watching videos of lions attacking zebras in the wild. <laughs> he <laughs> and would. Then something we've seen a couple times uh, already is that he was on an elevated platform during some scenes to reduce the height difference between his character and other vampires. So, yes. you know, once again, Apple Box boosting him up. <laughs> Darcy, do you have any other thoughts about Interview with a Vampire before we play some games and then nominate this for some awards? I really like that Tom Cruise kind of goes full cruise in this movie, kind of how Cage can do it too, to where it's just like you have the maniacal laughing and you have like just kind of being very cruel and like he's got just like a roller coaster of Tom Cruise emotions that he goes through, which is really fun to watch. Uh, but there's one in particular where I'm guessing somebody, oh, Claudia kills the seamstress and he like picks her up and uh, I guess ends her life and he like does in a very Jim Carrey type of way, says something like, there's life in the old lady yet. And he's just very like, kind of turns into Jim Carrey via like the mask. And it's just, <laughs> it's just like very fun to watch. That's like, I remember really liking 
Tom Cruise in this as a kid because he was almost kind of funny in some points. But that's like one of my favorite Tom Cruise being very Tom Cruise. It does seem like he's having fun in a way that Brad Pitt, as we talked about, is (laughs) absolutely not. Like he is leaning into this. I think it's probably the more fun role to play. Like he is the, especially if, as you said, Nick, before, like it's through the eyes of Brad Pitt. So he's sort of this caricature anyway. He's not like a real person as much as a retelling of who that person was or that vampire was. So I think it'd be much more fun to play the Lestat role. Tom Cruise definitely leans into the choose a little bit of scenery. I I really like, as much as I am on the fence or iffy about this movie, I do like him a lot in this in this role. Nick, what about you? Any other thoughts about Interview with a Vampire? I just, I I remember when it came out, everybody going, Tom Cruise? Hmm. Lestat, what? And then I remember seeing it and it was one of the first times in my life I remember going, I was so wrong. Heath Ledger Joker style of like everybody thought it was a dumb idea and then he just knocked it out of the park. You know, it's really exciting when that can happen. And that's one of the still exciting things about this movie is this is a very different role for Tom Cruise and he just absolutely nailed it. Yeah, it does look like he's chewing the scenery and it does look like he's having a great time, but that's the caricature that of, of that person that Louis has painted <laughs> and it's great. So yeah, I, I really do adore it. I do definitely get what you're saying about uh, just that the whole relationship between Claudia and Louis being weird and unsettling and not liking it and I can definitely see where that comes from the confines of this story it works very well to make me feel weird and uncomfortable yeah in a different mindset at a different time and a different night I could have abs- I absolutely could have been right there with you it just this particular set of circumstances or whatever didn't quite work for me. Mike, what about you? Any other thoughts? Any last last ideas, last thoughts about Interview the Vampire? I wish it was the Lestat movie all the way through starring Tom Cruise some days. I just love him in this role. He's having so much fun and you can almost feel like he's like unwinding or something from like the last couple roles as that, you know, he's playing a lawyer trapped in a conspiracy in the firm and a lawyer trapped in a conspiracy in A Few Good Men. Um, <laughs> it's kind of cool to see that he's playing around here and I love the makeup and all that. We haven't really seen something like this since Legend and I don't think we really get anything close to this like Tom Cruise in this genre until like that very polarizing The Mummy movie that he did that mm. one summer for the Dark Universe. Oh, boy. I know. Polarizing. So like, <laughs> That's an interesting way to put it. I was trying to be polite. I just love that he did horror. I wish he did more horror. He's so, he feels kind of at home here. And, uh, and that's what I love about this. And uh, I love his, I love him in this. And I, I just, yeah, now I want to see him do like more horror movies like come on get get real crazy in something you know mike i just had a thought while you were talking is that you said lawyer trapped in conspiracies and a few good men in the firm i think makeup wise this is a continuation of the firm because by the end of the firm he was so ghastly white and just exhausted looking and here (laughs) he's just even more exhausted looking and ghastly white like it's just even more of the life has been drained out of him like it is whew Poor Tom Cruise just needs a nap. Both movies just yeah, needs a nap. Yeah, these <laughs> Take a rules. nap, my man. <laughs> Very important question now. So we know that Tom Hanks was considered that Anne Rice spoke to Tom Hanks for this part. If Tom Hanks were in the Lestat role, what would this movie look like? Not something I'd probably be rewatching. Yeah, I literally cannot imagine it. I feel like, Mike, that this is getting to be a more difficult thing for us to imagine mm-hmm. and also for us to do. And we might have to ditch it sooner or not, sooner or later, because like, yeah. we're five years different now. Like, and I yeah. know sort of Forrest Gump era Hanks, right? Like, I know where he is. We're so far away from that, where we are right now in Hanks for the Memories. I'd rather do it this way. I'd rather alternate Cruz and Hanks than just do like, say, 
four Hanks in a row, then a Cruise to keep them sort of chronologically. But like where the gap is widening, and you know, like Darcy, like I just can't imagine him in that role. Mm-hmm. We're getting out of sync. They're out of alignment now. But but also like not only that, I can't think of anywhere to put him in this movie like i just don't see him in this time period you know maybe at the maybe as the interviewer even then you know not as a first choice i still love the concept of river phoenix having supposed to have done it um so even there like it doesn't match even for that so it's a tough one yeah i don't know i don't know where you put him i, I really don't maybe a corpse would he have worked a as corpse. the Antonio Banderas role? <laughs> oh as the antonio banderas role Wait, with Maybe? like the accent? <laughs> I don't know. I just don't. I don't know. I just don't know. Like, we might, this might be the last time. I, I think we might have to retire the other Tom. I think we're just, you know, yeah, it's the just game not could quite be working. I mean, games end. You know what I'm saying? Like, it could just. Yep. Did we could have just run its course? Remember in the Charlize podcast, how many effing games we went through? <laughs> yep, that was, that was just a nightmare. Do not remind me of those. Has Tom Hanks? Hold on. Has Tom Hanks ever been threatening? <sighs> Hmm. Yeah, has he ever been like the bad guy in something? Even aside from the bad guy, have you ever so, watched okay. him be actually scary and threatening? Yes. I got one scene in one movie. It's in Cloud Atlas, where he plays like this ex con who just had his book published and they're at like a party for a distribution party or something, and he like throws a critic out the window. It's pretty terrifying. He really brought it in that scene. Yeah, I feel like up to this point where we are the closest he approaches that is probably more down the middle of the road. It's just by comparison to his normal jovial nature, we don't see it coming, right? Like it's something Mm -hmm. that's a little bit meaner, but it's not actually mean. It's just mean for Tom Hanks. Yeah, it's more seriousness, right? It's more like I'm getting serious now. And then back to, all right, we're friends, but never (laughs) over the line. (laughs) So now the other game that we play here. If you want a walk-on role into Interview with a Vampire, you as yourself... Again, this is a difficult game, and I don't know... We might have to rep- I don't want to replace this game, too, but like, I, it's difficult sometimes for me to picture myself in this movie. But we'll start with you, Darcy. Darcy, if you want a walk-on role, you yourself as you exist today, in Interview with a Vampire, where would you put yourself? Oh, my gosh. I mean, I don't really want to be just, like, one of the throwaway ladies who gets, like, bitten or anything like that. I mean, I guess somebody in the theater who, like, murders i don't know i can see you with a nice pair of opera binoculars just eyeing the play from afar that would be great not really involved with the vampires would be super cool and fine yeah just a classy victorian era lady (laughs) yeah that's fine with me nick what about you i feel like this is maybe an easy i don't even know if it's an easier task for men because it feels like there's a lot of people in this movie there's not really that many parts if that makes sense like there's we follow a handful of characters but it's not like they're interacting with people because they're vampires so if you do if you want to walk on roll in this movie where would you be what would you be doing well actually i would prefer to just replace the guy who threatens to shoot louis at the beginning okay that works i feel like i could kick over a table real well people be like was that was that jenkins of real bad 25 years ago (laughs) looking the same as he is today i love his i love louis line where he's like what is he like 26 or something and he's like but back then that was like a grown man and everything (laughs) i'm thinking like man maybe because of life expectancy and stuff that's why he said yes because he was like already middle-aged at like 26 that's a good point mike what about you where would you be in this movie yeah i'm probably just gonna like sit next to louis watching tequila sunrise damn it i was gonna say that i'm walking out of tequila sunrise but i'm walking out with kurt russell talking about him in that movie <laughs> if i had to pick a modern day one it'd be watching superman with with Luke. Ooh, yes. oh yeah oh that first, was a great the first, one. the first sunrise he's seen in centuries Stanley yourself like i just have a hard time doing that so we might have to replace that one too like this might be a formative night for the tom tom club like this might be 
change up the entire back half of these shows. What happened with the other... These games lasted way longer than some other games, but I think what happens is we play them every week, but the guests don't, right? Yeah. So, like, we kind of get tired of it. So maybe we could just ask the guests from now on and just sit back and, like, listen. <laughs> something. Maybe. We will see. Yeah, I we enjoy will it. See. We have an email address on the show, run at cageclub.me. If you want to say hi, send us a note about the movies, about the episodes. We got some interactions on Twitter, which is cool. We got a couple emails on the show so far. That was cool. Run at cageclub.me. So two questions here. I don't know the answer to either. Does Tom Cruise run in this movie? Kind of. Yeah, I can't remember. I mean, if anything, it's him like running through the house, but not in like a long distance kind of situation, but just... I think he runs outside to jump on the horse. I feel like when you're a vampire and you have the luxury of infinite time, there's no need to run. Like you're going to get where you need to go eventually, right? Plus you can fly. Yeah. So I'm going to say a little comma maybe. So that's that's a that's a ringing endorsement. More important question, one that we can have a definitive answer for. Harperfect on Twitter said you can replace Tom Cruise's character name in any movie with the name Lightning McQueen and not a thing would change. If we replaced Lestat with Lightning McQueen, would this work or could it be Lightning Lestat? No. <laughs> to both of those. Yeah, I think it's a hard no tonight with that it's a one. Hard I mean, no the stat for me. is literally like such an iconic name that like why would you change it? Yeah, but lightning stat? What about Ooh, the I love stat that. McQueen? I love the sound Just of that. Give him a last name, McQueen. Mm-hmm. You have these questions about two aristocratic men raising a daughter, but if your name was Lightning Lestat, I think you would also have a lot of questions. <laughs> Where are you from exactly? Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I guess I'll, I'll begrudgingly say no, but I still agree for the most part. Most movies, he can be Lightning McQueen, still pull that off. All right, let us nominate this movie for some golden oak leaves, golden sunglasses. I don't know. We still don't have a good name. We have the Woodies over on Hanks with Memories. We're still waiting for that exact right maybe something from mission impossible when we get to that we're getting we're getting that soon i think maybe next episode is next episode mission impossible i believe it is i can't believe oh my god quick can you believe we go from this to that in (laughs) one movie (laughs) oh boy yeah we're skipping 1995 and 1996 mission impossible boy oh boy we are going big time next episode with mission impossible but okay best film worst film i'm gonna say no I understand I like this the least, but I also think it's kind of down the middle. I don't know. I mean, I think um, what keeps it is that Cruz isn't in the entire movie. Like, yeah. he's out of it for like an hour. Yeah. So it's kind of hard to say best Tom Cruise movie. I mean, I really I like know. this movie a lot, though. It's y'all show and everything, but when you say Tom Cruise movies, this is one of the first ones I think of. He's <sighs> usually the face on the poster, right? As before Brad yeah. Pitt, it's usually him. Yeah, I'm I'm with Darcy here. I think when I think of Tom Cruise, this is one of the first things that occurs. Really? All right. Yes. Yeah. Okay, that's three out of four right now. I'm with Wait, that. Mike, so you think this is on par with A Few Good Men, Born on the Fourth of July, Risky Business, The Color of Money, Top Gun, everything we yes. know is coming? Yeah. Kind of, yeah. Yes. What yeah. the fuck? <laughs> if, if not better, are you kidding me? I think because Joey, like, he's doing a horror movie, and like that for me is like that. It, he's killing it too. Like he's killing if it. If this as wins any that. awards, I'm going to be so, this. If it oh wins this God. award, I will be so disappointed. I'm gonna, I'm gonna fight for this to get knocked off. Dude, like, when we call the list, this is no. my first to go. The, how about the golden hair based off of his hair? No, in yes. no, no, no. We are not. No, no. I was originally going to say, you know, Lestat in interview. I was going to give him best role, but now I don't even know if I want to do that because I'm just so disgusted. <laughs> 
Oh, he's getting best God. role for sure. That's he, gotta be he's there. He's getting best role, yeah. I'll also say most badass role too, because you know, Lestat is pretty cool. Oh, and he comes back as a swamp vampire. Like he ate that alligator, right? Like Yes. <laughs> is there a fight? Best fight? He doesn't really fight. It's just sort of like he gets killed, right? Like he doesn't really Yeah, the only real fight is between Louis and the the theater vampires, really. Yeah. There's not really a fight. I was just thinking of like the fire scene, like after he like comes back from the swamp and they like set him on fire, but he's just kind of lets that happen. He doesn't fight them. Fire is like a big, I mean, it's a big theme, of course, but like they light a lot of homes on fire in this movie. Like Louis' <laughs> plantation, the freaking vampires in Paris, their freaking place gets lit on fire. It's just like the best way to clean slate something, right? Just burn it down. Especially back then. I guess we have to, nom- I'm, I'm assuming based on the way that this conversation is going. Best score, yes. Oh, yeah. This is yeah. a great score. Best car chase. There is no car chase, sadly. Um, there's kind the car of. scene, but there, no car there's chase. There's a car scene. And it's a yeah. red sports car, which I liked. Shout out yeah. to Cage Club. Shout out to Never on Tuesday. Man in red sports car. Best Cage. dance scene. Are there, is there, do, they, do they dance? Doesn't he dance with, with the corpse? Oh, yeah. He one. dances yeah. with the corpse. And then Louis dances with Claudia when they're visiting wherever they're visiting. So I say dancing with the corpse. Vampire outfit for best cruise outfit wardrobe. <laughs> okay, here's where here's where this... Okay, if this happened, this is how it could be talked into best film. If Lestat put down sunglasses and said, mm-hmm. now that's what I'm talking about, as he drove off to the sunset. Like, he doesn't do that. No sunglasses in this movie. I feel like putting on Ray-Bans... That would have been cool. Like this movie, this movie ends with a Guns N' Roses yeah, cover. It does. What? Like how? How do you? How can you say this is best film? Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. Oh my god. I'll say it again and again. Same. This, Same. this is a great film. This is an amazing film. This is <sighs> this is one of Tom Cruise's best films. It is his top five performances at least. Performance, yes. Film, no. <laughs> no, we film, just, yes. We're going to we're gonna have to agree to disagree. So for best death, I will say poisoned and throat slit. I don't know, man. That, that well, he, he was so the, on fire. Technically, he doesn't die. He's already... But I'm going to say burned alive. I'm going to say, I'm going to nominate both, he's, Like, But he's not alive. He's never, he's he's already dead when the movie starts. But he does die. To, and we also have two nominations. No, he, come, he doesn't ever die. He always survives. He's inconvenient. He, yeah, he's just <laughs> regenerating and shit. Like, it just Look, took him a hundred years. either these get nominated or nothing gets nominated for this movie. You pick. One okay. or the other. Okay, I'll, I'm buying it. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go with you on that. The line I want to nominate, though, is uh, what I said before. Life without me would be even more intolerable. Is there a better line that you think in this movie? Uh, I mean, the only ones that really stick out are like the uh, always whining. Yeah. <laughs> and I've been Still saying Louie, Louie, Louie in my head all week, like <laughs> stuck in my head. Is that more a freak out, Louie, 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 or no? No. Does he does he freak out? He kind of freaks out. So the best freak out is when he comes back to New Orleans and he's just like in that chair. And for some reason, the helicopter with the light shines in mm. and he like has a freak out. Yeah, he thinks it's the actual sun. Yeah. Doesn't understand. He's like, They're always coming at night. I, I, I would actually say that he, he does have a really good freak out after Louis sets his own house on fire. I really liked it when he comes back and he's like, great, great. <laughs> He's like, all of our things. Yeah, and I mean, you, you kind of understand, too, like his point of like, you know how hard this is to do? Do you know? Do you have any idea? <laughs> yeah. No, you don't, because you've only lived this way. Best sex scene, no. No, there are no sex scenes. No. As far Close. As I, I mean, there's. I guess they're sort of implied or just there's sort like of... sexy scenes. Sensual Dude, scenes. the worst yeah. is when like Kirsten Dunst crawls into Brad Pitt's coffin, and you're just like, shivers. <laughs> do not like, do not like, do not like. Most athletic feet. 
Does Tom Cruise do something like this? I feel like he does again doesn't have to because he's going to get somewhere eventually. Flying, but he's not actually flying as an actor. So man, when he snapped that woman's neck, holy crap! Best running scene, no. Best or worst love story, no. Best ensemble cast, no. Because I feel like there's again there's just only a couple people. Best non Cruise actor, male or female, will say Kirsten Dunst. Oh, 100%. Yeah. I don't think I'm not Nick's worst non-cruise actor, male or female, because we have no nominees yet. I sort of want to okay. keep things positive. Otherwise, we might yeah. you know, throw Brad Pitt in there. But Why did the worst have to be for me? Just It's just Brad Pitt. You know, we're, there's only one nominee. It's Brad Pitt. Uh, sorry, man. <laughs> just didn't work for us. 12 nominations. <sighs> best film, best role, most badass role, best score, best dance scene, best outfit, two best death, two best line, best freak out, and Kirsten Dunst. Oh boy, Mike, I cannot wait to cut this down in a big, big way after we finish this podcast because I am not happy right now. But <laughs> I, I feel like if, if all four of us love this movie, where's the fun in that? I have to play the heel to have some kind of conflict here. Thank you both for joining us. Darcy, if you want to tell our listeners, this is a different podcast, but you have your own Keanu Club. But yes. Mike and I did Keanu Club. We did a whole podcast about Keanu Reeves movies. We found you because you have your own Keanu Club. So if you want to tell people... If they love Tom Cruise, maybe they love Keanu Reeves. What is your Keanu Club? So it's basically just me creating like cute merch for other people who also love Keanu Reeves. So I have an Etsy shop. It's just under my name, Darcy Dubos, and you can find all kinds of pretty cute little Keanu things there. Nick, why don't you tell people about, so as this comes out next Friday, there will be uh, six more episodes of Real Bad, but there's 94 that you will have listened to. What was the movie that just came out that the next one you're going to release, the one that just came out as you're listening to this, what is the next episode you're doing, the, the most recent one for people to hear? Uh, the most recent one will be Ghoulies. We're going to talk about the movie Ghoulies from Empire Pictures, a production studio that I have a lot of positive and negative things to say about. Cool. Um, but this was voted on by our patrons. Our wonderful patrons uh, at Patreon decided what we were going to suffer through, and they picked Ghoulies. So <laughs> go and check that one out. We're real bad, and we talk a lot about bad movies and why they want to hurt us. Every Monday, for at least the next six weeks, you can find the new episode of Real Bad wherever you find this podcast mike of course has third time's a charm i have too fast too forever and we both do hanks for the memories our other tom tom podcast also of note this month sometime it may be already out it may not be out i don't remember when things are happening new cage club episode about a score to settle in the nicholas cage yes. movie the drought is over also a new charlie theron movie that's finally out on blu-ray long shot go check that out too so both of those sort of dormant podcast going to be revived here this month, so go check both of those out. I'm assuming A Score to Settle is good because it's a Nicolas Cage movie. We have not had one this year, so if nothing else, we'll get by on sheer excitement. Mm-hmm. And then Longshot, <laughs> I've seen and loved, so go check those out on Watch the Throne and Cage Club. But for all things Cruise Club, Hanks for the Memories, Real Bad, all 25 shows on our network, you can go to cageclub.me, facebook.com slash cageclub, or at cageclubpod on Twitter and Instagram. Email us, run at cageclub.me, Come back next week on Hanks for the Memories for Turner and Hooch. Then come back in two weeks for Mission Impossible. I can't believe we're already there. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And that was Darcy Dubose of Keanu Club on Instagram and Nick Jenkins of the Real Bad Podcast. And we'll see you in two weeks right here on Cruise Club. myself.